Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Dear Writer. This is episode 45, and it's another one of our culture and creativity episodes. And today we're going to be talking about how games can inspire or affect our creativity. And I'm actually quite excited to talk about this. I love board games and just like (laughs) games in general. (laughs) So I think it's going to be quite fun. It will be. Yeah. I don't know like how, <laughs> I feel like this is just going to be us raving about board games <laughs> that we like and being like, yeah, psh, it can be, it can help us be creative. <laughs> I have some very reasoned arguments uh, behind my board games choices, Good. but at the same time, <laughs> yes. I thought we could just start off by talking about some of our favorite board games or board games that we play that we think uh, help us be a little bit more creative. So do you want to go first, Sarah? Sure. As stated already in this episode, I love board games. <laughs> it's only been like one minute. <laughs> I know. But I have to say, because we're usually so short of time, we don't play them too often, but it does become like a special fun thing to do when family is around. Yet, that does not stop us buying board games, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> and we have quite a collection. Me too. The ones that we do play more often, I would say, are games like Carcassonne, Risk, and the occasional game of Monopoly, which is stored under the entertainment unit under our TV, not under the inter- in our entertainment unit under the TV. So it'd be <laughs> weird if I stored it under the entertainment unit. And just imagining this like ball games stacked up underneath yeah, with this, to like, like wheel it away to get to it. That would be strange. But yeah, so. I think, you know, when you look at those types of games, I, you, I guess you could say that they're fairly strategic board games and I do think they help problem-solving abilities and force you to think several steps ahead. But I would say that equally, it also reminds you not to create plans that are too elaborate <laughs> <laughs> because you don't know which way the game could go and all your plans could be foiled if you become too wrapped up in the planning and fail to pay attention to what's actually going yeah. on. And I think writing can be similar to that too. It's if you all you do is planning and you don't actually like get into the writing or you don't allow for some flexibility, then you may end up with quite a kind of like stiff piece of work, I guess. But yeah, um, other games that I love are more on the creative side. Unfortunately, we don't actually have these ones, so I might have to get my husband to purchase them. Actually, thinking about it, I'm like, yes, I really want to play these. So, games like Cranium and Pictionary, which obviously have very Blackhead Beach is all I can think of. Blackhead Beach and Cranium, such a good time. Cranium is such a great game. After yeah, a couple wines at Blackhead Beach, playing Cranium, like the acting one or the sculpting part. I'm sorry. Obviously, they've got very creative elements in them with, you know, the acting, the sculpting, the word games, and then, you know, for all you logic people out there, the the logic strategic ones or the fact, what is it? The fact, or no. Ooh, <laughs> I can't remember I can't either. remember the names of them. Word worm was one, yes. was it not? And lexicon and or something. That's all I remember. Creative cat. <laughs> That's a, <laughs> the sculpting <laughs> one. So good. 
Anyways, I do think that it forces you to consider, like, not only are they creative, but it forces you to consider how best to communicate something to your team members. So not only do you have to be able to draw something that they can recognize or sculpt something or whatever it is, but you have to... It uses a lot of communication skills, which are actually, you know, pivotal for writing as well, because you can write the most beautiful thing, but if none of your readers understand what you're getting at, then you haven't very clearly executed your vision. Mm -hmm. I think they're good for developing those skills, I would say. (laughs) What's some of your favorite war games? Well... Or games in general. Games in general. Oh, so my husband and I are quite into board games. So is his family. They we play. Well, we have a lot of board game nights with them, and we have a couple friends as well that we will sometimes play board games with. I generally prefer the cooperative style games, mostly because I'm really competitive to the point where, like, <laughs> I don't, I don't try too hard sometimes in games that aren't cooperative because I get really upset when people cheat slash make mistakes beat me and I don't think that they've played to the rules and I get very mad so I prefer the cooperative games because we all win or lose together and then I can like control whether we break the rules or not and if we do break the rules or cheat like we've done it as a group so it's okay <laughs> so I like games like Pandemic, Zombie Side, and Mysterium. I've not played any of those. <laughs> Pandemic is amazing it's basically you are all working against the board to stop the outbreak of a disease. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds amazing. It is amazing. So there's like lots of different ways you can lose. So if you have too many outbreaks, you lose. (laughs) If you like run out of these city cards, which is what helps you cure them, you lose. Anyways, tons of different ways you can lose. And you all have like a certain number of turns. You have to work together to try and like basically cure diseases faster than the diseases are put on the board. How many players do you need to be able to play it? I'm curious. You can play, I think, two to six. Maybe it's really good. You'd like it. I'm going to come away with like a whole list of board games to play. Pandemic is one of my absolute favorites. Like it's so much fun. I think you'd like it. And then Zombie Side is you're all a band of fighters who are trying to stop the zombie hordes from like taking over. It's like a miniatures game. So those two are both very strategic ones where you all have to, you know, talk together, work together to like figure out your plan. Like you're going to do this. I'm going to do this. You're going to do this. And as long as like these 20 things don't happen, we're going to be fine and we're not going to lose. So I think those are quite similar to what you were saying before about your strategy games that you mentioned. You end up having quite creative problem solving because, well, at least in these ones, you're fighting against the board and you have limited time. So, you know, everyone's trying to coordinate attacks and do stuff before, you know, you run out of cards or whatever happens. So you end up with very interesting <laughs> solutions to a lot of problems. And additionally, because it's cooperative, you have to work within the constraints of the characters that you're playing as well, because they all have, you know, different abilities and things, which kind of leads a little bit into, you know, when you're trying to maneuver your characters in your books or novels to do certain things, like you're kind of constrained <laughs> by what your characters are like and whether they'll be able to do them or not. So that's quite good. Mysterium, on the other hand, you would like this game, Sarah. It is one of my current favorites at the moment. It's uh, another cooperative one where one person is a ghost who's witnessed a murder and everyone else has entered into the haunted house and are trying to solve the murder. But the ghost can't communicate except for through dreams. So you have these like super abstract like art 
cards and so all you can do is like give the other characters these like really obscure dream cards and they have to like look at them and then there's like a I don't know like six people six places six objects and they have to try and work out who the murderer is based on these ridiculous cards so that's quite fun interesting so it's like a altered version of Cluedo yeah so yeah so the cards will be like I don't know like cats walking on rainbows underwater and there's like a man with an umbrella like on the dream card and then <laughs> you know then there's just like not the same thing but it's like colonel mustard and you're like mm, there's yellow on colonel mustard's hat and look there's yellow on the cat they're totally gonna get it <laughs> like you know give them the card so it's quite amusing and very creative as well lots of abstract uh thinking and a lot of trying to analyze how people think or are gonna work because you know if like I'm the ghost people like okay Ashley's very you know detail orientated or whatever like she's given me this man with a hat do you think she would give me the man with a hat because there's a man with a hat on the board or is it like this thing something you know like trying to read Mm, and I imagine if you're the ghost and you're trying to think of you're like yeah how are they going to interpret it if I give yes like would James get it like would he, you know, would he understand this or this person? They don't really know me. I can't, you know, I can't give anything too specific or they're going to get really confused. Like I got to give them something as generic as possible because otherwise, you know, we don't know each other very well. So it's very fun. So those are my three favorite games mm-hmm. at the moment. So yes. So if we move on a little bit, um, when I was doing some research for this episode, I found there are some very specific games that involve direct, basically direct storytelling games, which obviously given... <laughs> that we're talking about writing uh, that might have a lot of benefit for writers like us. So the games that I came across were Story Cubes, which Sarah's husband, Dan, had mentioned when we were talking about this podcast, mm-hmm. and a game called Once Upon a Time. And both of these are where you have certain, like ra- basically randomly generated story elements that have to be combined together to make um, a story in your group, which does sound quite hilarious. Um, so I was, my question was going to be, have you played any games like this? And if you did, how did you find them? If not, do you think they'd actually be helpful? What do you reckon, Sarah? So I do think, like as Ashley said, we have the story cubes and I do think there is value in them as serving as like a prompt to create ideas and get past blocks. Sort of like what we did with the episode about free for writing. It's the same idea but it gives you several things to work into the one story so it forces you to work a bit harder to create connections between the items rather than having one singular prompt and getting your brain to practice making these connections is great for your creativity you know it helps you think of things in new ways and you might find yourself creating connections in everyday life that you hadn't thought of before like just observing as you're, I don't know, maybe you're having coffee and watching like a family or something and then something else is going on at the same time and you think, oh, you know, like what could happen in the future if this clashes or, you know, I think it's about developing those connections and those interactions between things and forward thinking as to like how how you can use things in interesting ways in your stories. And also like line by line story writing I know that Ashley is going to mention this as well, but I remember in high school, my friends and I often did line by line hidden stories where, you know, we'd write one or two sentences, fold over a piece of refill, and then all we'd write on the other side was like the last three words. And then the next person would just join onto the last three words. And 
It was it was quite amusing. <laughs> I remember doing it a couple times with you lot. It was hilarious. Very creative. They were quite funny. <laughs> Very creative. I'm not sure they're quite as helpful as something like the story. <laughs> but it is interesting seeing what tangents and directions people take when they're only given a few words. Mm-hmm. So, so it opens your mind to the different things that go on in your friends' minds. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Let's just put it that way. You always have the one whose mind's like super gory and turns it into like some sort of weird. Um... Or just like strangely sexual ones. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, come on. Like, like, I knew you were going to write that. <laughs> how old are we? <laughs> but they are quite funny. I highly, highly recommend it for a laugh. <laughs> yeah. Always something ridiculous, but it is, it is very interesting. How about you, Ashley? Um, I haven't tried any of those, the games that were mentioned, but they do seem quite fun. So I could get behind that, I think. Also, I th- probably good for generating ideas as well, because you get like ridiculous situations. And, you know, often when you get ridiculous situations, it can spark other ideas in your mind. So perhaps you'd end up with some interesting, you know, like maybe I could actually do something with this random situation that the dice have generated for me. Mm-hmm. But as Sarah mentioned, we I actually did a one of those line by line story writing with my writing group over Zoom two weeks ago, which was quite hilarious. I also tried it with my uh, my girl guide group as well afterwards because, you know, given Zoom, trying to run events, you're like I've got to try and do something interesting. Um, with the yeah. writing group one, we did it so that you could see what they had written, so it's kind of flowed a bit more. But it was it was really hilarious. And to be fair, it probably should have been a better story than it was, given everyone in it was writers. It was a bit ridiculous, but it was really funny. It was real funny. And it's interesting to see how other people, especially we did it with writers, how other people write as well. And like all the different sort of styles that come up line by line, which was really quite eye-opening and interesting. And also what people's like minds jump to. Or where people, because you can kind of guess where you think the story's going. And then you're like, oh, no, it's not going there in that person's mind. Like they had a totally (laughs) different idea about it. (laughs) I feel like people like to hijack the stories though as well. They'll be like, "Um, everyone thinks it's going this way. I'm going to make it go like a totally different (laughs) way. And then so you end up, that's how you end up with half the ridiculous situations because everyone tries to hijack it. Yeah. It's funny though. It did work quite well with my girl guides as well. They made a very amusing story about a dog who was a hundred kilos and like the size of Clifford at a park. It was quite amusing. So it's kind of similar to, have you ever done a drawing where like, you know, you leave the lines and then someone has like, I've never tried that. You do like a head, a body, and then like the lower half. So you assign, you know, one or the other to people. And then you just like leave a little bit of a line going over on the fold and then someone can like draw. This is a great plan. You know, these weird creatures. It's That's great. amazing. I might try that with my rangers this week on Zoom, actually. <laughs> I'm always looking for stuff that they can do together. It's kind of interesting and fun. I don't know how easy it would be able to do over Zoom. Well, I was just thinking Imagine. I could, you know, set them all in order and get one person to like draw a shape. And then the next person has to like, draw something else and just see what it becomes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they can work. Anyways. Moving on, I thought we could talk a little bit about word games as well. So we covered the games that are to do with story building, 
but you know, there's a lot of word-based, I guess, games and puzzles. So things like crosswords or games like Scrabble and Bananagrams, but there's lots and lots of games like that. So I thought we could talk about whether we play these, do we play them regularly, and do we think there's any benefit to any of these games from a creative perspective? What do you reckon, Sarah? Well, I do think there's benefit. I think it depends on who you are, though. Surprisingly, I don't always find them helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Just find them frustrating. You know, I think it is like a sort of exercise in vocabulary. However, we have Scrabble and we've played it a fair amount of times. I always lose, but then I feel like it's not because I don't have a wide vocabulary. I feel like it's because I somehow end up with the worst of luck <laughs> and end up with like a whole thing of vowels every single time. And I'm like, I don't understand how this happened. <laughs> Like there is a limited amount you can do when you have like three E's, two I's, an O and a U or something. Hang on, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> Seven letters. Did I include that right? But you know, like and and I know that yes, everyone who's bad at Scrabble says that <laughs> and complains about that. But it is sometimes truly bad luck. <laughs> I agree. I think often it's it's all up to the letters that you pick. And sometimes you're just not given the letters that you want. You're like, I know a lot of words, but it's, I can't spell any. And I also... <laughs> it's not even letters that you want. Yeah. It's like, you know, I've got so many opportunities with, you know, like specific letters, but then you're like, there's literally nothing I can do, even with like the spaces that was on the board. Like, you know, you might have a couple of vowels that you can use on the board or whatever. And you're like, mm. I mean, not vowels, um, consonants then you're just like, yeah, that's not going to work for me because <laughs> I still can't create that word because I've still got too many vowels. <laughs> you're like, short of like making something like a siren, like an ear noise. <laughs> like, what am I left with? Okay, moving on from Scrabble. Obviously, I have issues with that. I also have issues with bananagrams because I guess it's a similar thing. You've, again, got tiles with letters on them. And again, it depends on the tiles that you choose. <laughs> I'm seeing a theme here. Does Dan usually win these games, Sarah? <laughs> yes, all the time. But also with Bananagrams, it's like worse because it's Scrabble, but like timed. <laughs> <laughs> Speed Scrabble kind of. It's like, I get really race. stressed and then I'm like, I don't have enough letters and they're all wrong ones. And yeah, it just, it goes downhill. I don't like it. <laughs> um, one that I will mention though, I've mentioned it before on the podcast is the board game called Set um, by Benjamin Dreyer. Set is, in case you didn't know, basically what authors write when they want to tell the editor to leave the sentence the hell alone. <laughs> so, but basically you have to work out what, if anything, is wrong with a sentence that they give you on a card. And if there's something wrong, then you point it out. And if not, you say Set to let it stand. And I think this could be a really great game to improve your grammar if you think it needs some polishing we haven't actually really played it that much yet because i feel like it's a more than two-person game it would be a bit boring as two people if covid ever permits me to travel overseas again i'll have to come visit you and we can play stat <laughs> yes 100 <laughs> percent um how about you ashley i have a similar bone to pick with uh scrabble and bananagrams <laughs> i actually refuse to play bananagrams because it feels like a game that i'd be really mad about and I just like to avoid situations yeah, where I get angry. Makes Scrabble's angry. not so bad. I cried playing last time. 
Grandma, I, I can rationalize a bit more because, you know, you're not timed as much and, you know, it's kind of, you're kind of more mm. in the same boat. So I can get behind Scrabble a bit more. It is, I don't know, a fun one to play occasionally. I remember when I tried to play it with you and your sisters, I, I still had the same problem and lost amazingly. I think Onnelly won that game and she's dyslexic. Your sisters are quite good with thinking laterally with words though as well. Yeah. I'm also terrible at spelling, so I can't. Anyways, um, but I do a lot of crosswords though, which are very helpful. So generally I tend to do cryptic crosswords, which I think, well, and crosswords in general, I think are definitely good for your vocabulary or at least like all the synonyms Mm -hmm. and things. So that's a good thing. And specifically uh, with cryptic crosswords. So with cryptic crosswords, I think there is a twofold benefit. First of all, because there are clues disguised as a puzzle. So it's like a puzzle that gives you a synonym or something. So that has quite a lot of benefit for, so like a problem solving aspect and improving vocabulary aspect, which I find very satisfying and also quite enjoyable but for me what's almost even more interesting is the vast amount of knowledge that comes with doing these cryptic crosswords especially with like entomology and things like that because half the words I have never even heard of you come to these words through like an anagram or like some clue where you've like put three I don't know syllables together and you're like what the hell is this is this even a word and you look it up and like oh it is a word you know it came from you know, the 1800s uh, derived from, I don't know, Latin or whatever it is. And then it's always so fascinating. You get to learn some very interesting phrases because often they've got sayings and there are idioms. Um, and I'm like, I've never heard of this idiom. Or a lot of words that you're like, what? Like royster, which is my new favorite word for party. <laughs> royster? Royster. Is that spelled like R-O-I-S-T-E-R? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's interesting, like, this is the other thing I feel like with crosswords that you could find is that I often know how to spell words and I've seen them in context, like maybe once or twice, and then I don't actually know what it is. But then when you, you know, bring it up, you're like, oh, it's that word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of my favorites. Royster, quaffing, and disporting. Quaffing. Yes. To imbibe or drink. Happily. Ah. <laughs> drinks can also be quaffable, you know, if they're <laughs> enjoyable. <laughs> and sport's one of my favorites. You would have thought disport came from the word sport, but sport came from the word disport, which means to frolic. So ah. disport came first, followed by anyways, this is like some random things that you discover doing cryptic crosswords. You end up learning a lot about like random facts, random authors, random artists um, that are famous for like some obscure thing. You're like, oh, that's really cool. So you end up learning a lot, getting a lot of interesting ideas, learning a lot of interesting vocabulary. So I'd recommend if you can get past the learning curve for cryptic crosswords, which is quite steep. <laughs> it's taken me like a couple years to get to this point where I can like solve half a puzzle now (laughs) half a puzzle by myself three quarters of a puzzle with my friend and the rest of them we end up you can't really google cryptic crossword clues so it is also a good problem solving thing because you're like I know it's a synonym for this word that probably rhymes with this word I definitely don't know it and then you look it up you're like "Mm, yes I did not know it but I was correct (laughs) it was it rhymed with this and it started with this letter whatever it is yeah so that's good moving on there's one other big category of games that I thought we 
probably had to mention, and those are RPGs, so role-playing games, things like Dungeons and Dragons, and there's a whole whole range of different games in that genre. Hopefully everyone's heard of Dungeons and Dragons. If you haven't, I'll briefly go over what it is just in case. So it's a it's a fantasy game. Oh, can be very any sort of fantasy or sci-fi whatever you want it to be Um, and it's also a collaborative game and it's turn-based so each person creates their own character from scratch with a backstory and everything and then you've got a dungeon master or a dm who has a story that they're following and you work through the story it's sort of like a choose your own adventure which pretty much has unlimited options and you play as your character and kind of see roughly following your dungeon master kind of see where you go in the story and it's quite fun and uh, so I thought we could talk about whether we think these games can help you improve as a writer or not whether we've played them you know etc what do you reckon Sarah well I have to say probably my only experience of role-playing games because I thought about it and I was like have I played any role-playing games and I was like initially I thought no and then I was like hang on a second there was that one time <laughs> where years ago, Ashley and I created a murder mystery party for a cocktail party, which I'd say, you know, like that comes under a role-playing game because that, you know, we created it from scratch. And it was quite interesting because not only did we have to come up with clues, but we had to come up with ways to point the players in the right direction or alternatively throw them off the trail depending on how easy slash hard they were finding it. And if I remember correctly, our solution to that was to make ourselves as distraught witnesses so that we were able to remember clues if people took too long (laughs) um, or like finally able to express ourselves because it, you know, most of the time we were too upset to be able to talk to anyone. Couldn't possibly give out any information. Yeah. It was just totally forgot about that. So good. So good. And we also, we had our siblings play in the role of the police. And then, so if people were getting too close, too fast, they were to arrest people for interfering with the investigation (laughs) and drag them away to be interrogated. So they basically just like drag them away and be like, what were you doing? It was quite, it was very amusing. Totally forgot about that cocktail. So funny. Yes, it was hilarious. When you mentioned, sorry, when you mentioned to me about the murder mystery party, I thought you meant for your birthday, which we just did. Well, yeah, we also <laughs> did do that and we did play that, but it was but less it was involved because yeah. it had already been scripted for us because we bought like an online party package for a murder mystery, <laughs> which was fun, but because I wanted to play as well, I didn't want to have to create the whole thing this time. Um, <laughs> but yes. In the one that we made, each player had their own role playing card with like a sort of where they had been and what they had seen. And usually it had like one sort of unique clue that could help them or it could be like something that might necessarily not relate and could throw them off the track or something. And so they each had to talk to each other to try and work out what might have actually happened. (laughs) But then to throw an extra spanner in the works we also had our murderer could strike at any time anyone could die at any time it was like a complete fallback so if 
people worked it out in like five minutes because we had no idea how long it was going to last. So if people started working out in like five minutes that our murderer could be like, yeah, okay, sorry. You're dead <laughs> now. <laughs> bit cruel maybe you know it worked well like, that's totally smart forgot about but... this party oh, such a good time <laughs> it did it ran like clockwork that it that game it did and we were worried no one would be into it but they were very into it so it was good yes i think it was quite a complex game that we ended up creating <laughs> um and i probably should look more into role-playing games because it's i did really enjoy it and i'd say you know we kind of played the role as game masters for mm-hmm. that game where we were kind of, you know, in the background directing things. But yeah, it was it was quite a good game. They worked it out in the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so good. It took the, the perfect amount of time. So yes. it was a success. <laughs> How about you, Ashley? How's your experience with role-playing games? Yeah, it's I wouldn't say extensive, but I have played quite a bit of Dungeons and Dragons. I've played two or three campaigns, uh, which have been very enjoyable. And I absolutely think it's very helpful in helping us become better writers. Uh, First of all, from the biggest one, I'd say is probably, at least if you're playing and not the dungeon master, would be character creation and backstory creation, because you actually have to like quote unquote act, I guess, as your character would act during the game. So one, it's quite important to have, you know, some interesting backstory for your, for your characters. For example, uh, my current character, her name is Emmalina Abaddon. She is a tiefling. So she's like semi, uh, got a little bit of, I guess, demon-y devil kind of stuff in her. And her, her whole family was killed by the plague that was in the cave where she was kept prisoner. And mm-hmm. she has escaped from the cave and is now part of this uh, uh, traveling party or whatever and she is terrified of basically the demons but doesn't realize that Abaddon one of the actual um, demons is part of her bloodline so she eventually will find out that if she's afraid of the you know demons getting to but she is actually one herself so that shall be interesting to see how that plays out yeah sounds it yes and then, of course, you add in like really amusing things like she's obsessed with forks, forks in the road, pitchforks, cutlery, all of that sort of thing. So she gets distracted if she sees forks. Um, and the whole reason she's on the mission with everyone is because she's heard about a fork in the road that she's never been to. So she wants to explore that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's why she agreed to go along. So very amusing things like that. I do enjoy making my characters. So and then following on from that. Uh, there's obviously if you are the DM and even kind of um, when you're with the characters there's a lot of world building that goes on um, into either creating the campaign or even when you're there you know you're like okay I'm going into this tavern what is the makeup of the people in there you know like are they rich are they poor are they dwarves are they like you know whatever what's the situation what's everything like to try and get a feel for what might happen and then there's the actual I'm going to go with very creative problem solving that goes on because you're pretty much all of you are not limited in the choices that you can make because there's not, well, you're limited by like whether you roll your action successful, but that's pretty much it. So a lot of the time you get into these very interesting situations and you're like, hey, what do we do? I think one of the most recent ones we had is we were in a cave about to be attacked by goblins and we realized that no one had 
thought to have lanterns or lamps so we couldn't see. And we're like, oh no, we're about to be attacked. And we realized that one of the characters had a spell that could uh, make round objects glow but we didn't have any round objects so someone managed to kill a goblin which we decapitated and then made his head glow (laughs) and then someone had a levitation spell so then they were able to levitate the head which glowed which provided us light through the cave so it's like ridiculous things like that we're like oh no or one of the recent ones the we were in another different cave system and there was it was uh linked to a river and so they unleash the dam to try and wash us away we're like oh no none of us have any rock climbing tools because none of us are proficient in that but my character is quite devout um, and had a cross so we used the cross to like we rolled to see if I could like you know lodge the cross in the side wall of the cave which was amazingly successful so that happened and then I had to roll to make sure that I was strong enough to hold on to it but I wasn't so the cross is now stuck in some cave um, and I was washed away but we were able to stick the cross in the wall of the cave. So anyways, so things like that, where you have to come up with really creative solutions together to try and get out of whatever problem you're facing. And I guess if you are the DM, you do have to create an entire story and world, uh, which I have not done yet. I don't think I'm quite ready. I'm not, I'm not up mm-hmm. to that stage yeah. um, yet to start creating my own campaigns. And that's also a lot of work. So I don't know if that's something... I would do or not yeah but definitely if you're going to be acting as a dm you end up with a lot of actual story writing and world building i think we even talked to our yes last guest kara lee she talked about how a lot of her stories were inspired from some campaigns role-playing or rpg campaigns that she had gone through yeah which is quite interesting so i think definitely definitely helpful yeah I think we should probably round up. Uh, yes, I agree. Show now. <laughs> <laughs> Always go on forever. It's a very interesting and exciting topic, though, games yeah. and creativity. Obviously, whoever created the games had to be inspired by creativity in the first place. Yeah, too. inspired by something, some interesting event <laughs> or whatnot. So there are still some spots left on our author spotlight section if you'd like to be on our show. And if you want to apply, you can just head over to our website, lindersoncreations.com, and hover your mouse over the podcast tab and you'll get a drop-down menu where you can apply. Um, We love having other writers on to chat to them about their stories, their stories and their own story. Um, So uh, if you're interested in that, please apply. We'd love to have a chat with you. And speaking of the author spotlight interview series, next time on Dear Writer, we have another author spotlight episode coming up. So tune in for that. And if you'd like to know more about us or any of our writing projects, you can visit us at lindersoncreations.com or contact us on Facebook or Instagram uh, under the handle Linderson Creations. And if you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and we'll be back next week. Happy writing, everyone. Bye.